At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible with a vision of a world where the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast for veterans, first responders, and their families. Today on the show, we have Christine Walker, the editor-in-chief at At Ease Magazine. Hello, Christine. Hi. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, it's great to have you. It's uh, I love that LinkedIn. So great to connect with people. I wouldn't all these people I wouldn't find without LinkedIn. I tell you. Now yeah. they better pay me a dollar at least for that uh, for that shameless plug. <laughs> right. So let's start with your service. Uh, we were just chatting for a moment, Al Fair. Uh, you were in the Navy back yes, in the day. Way back in the day, I was um, in the United States Navy during, um, actually, I was in boot camp when Desert Storm started. Jesus, so was I. 91. Yep. And uh, I served as a hospital corpsman at Camp Lejeune, a Marine Corps base um, in North Carolina here in the United States. And um, that was my service. You know, we had our guys coming back from the first war, and it was... um, it was it was a kind of a weird time. <laughs> Back then, do you remember if you thought that this is the big war? You know, uh, when it broke out just before I shipped out for basic training, and uh, it was still going on when I got to basic training. It ended up only lasting like a month, but everybody was thinking, "Holy crap, this is World War Three!" Uh, do you remember yeah. it, people talking about that? Uh, was it the same impression for you? Yeah, I mean, well, being in, you know, I, I being in boot camp, it happened, um, it was, I, I went in during Desert um, Shield, and, you know, we were kind of like, what's going on? And then when you're company commanders, you know, in the Navy, we have company commanders, not drill instructors. Uh, when they came in with sunglasses on, and their children were in the military and deployed over, um, in Iraq, you know, it was just a very surreal. Um, a lot of the, we had a company of 80 in our, in our barracks and a lot of them cried. A lot of them were extremely upset. I was very stoic as I usually am. And so, um, you know, but I did, I did think it was going to be much bigger than it was. Yeah, it was, uh, a one and done. It was just a couple of weeks, and then and that was it. It was um, what do they call that? Um, shock and awe. That's what they called that one. Yeah, it was kind of like a little mini version of shock and awe, because you know shock and awe lasted a lot longer than Desert Storm. <laughs> yeah, it was something else. So, how long yeah. have you been? Uh, have you had your veterans magazine at Ease Magazine? <laughs> Well, uh, we initially started it in July of 2020, but obviously we had to build. Um, and it started as a county magazine, regional magazine. But I was getting a lot of messages on our Facebook page and social media saying, we really, man, I wish this was in, you know, New England. I wish this was, was in Florida. I wish this was here. And I really did some, I mean, literally a year ago, today a year ago this month i did some soul searching and like 
do I really want to jump off the deep end and make this something that's national um, on the national level? And I decided to go ahead and do that and got everything set up to do that and re-evaluated my business plan because a regional magazine versus a national magazine has to have a very different source of income. And, um, and so we did it. And our first issue came out in March of 2021. And is this online or in print? It is online. It's, it's actually, um, we have three versions. We have our digital version, which is kind of more of like a blog, um, very mobile friendly. We have our e-magazine, which is kind of a flip book. And then we also have our print magazine which is really like a coffee table magazine. And what sort of stories do you uh, cover? Do you have a specific angle or do you have something that makes you a little bit different? Well, we have, what makes us different is, you know, it kind of developed itself. I had vets from all over the country like, oh, I want to tell my story. I want, you know, so they contribute. I have veteran organizations who contribute. I have people who have written for us and, their writing is pretty good and the subject matters of what they do is pretty good. So I've kind of given them a feature. Uh, we have everything from military history to girls and grit, you know, got to give my, my girls some props there, uh, female vets. Um, we have veteran stories that are written by our staff writers and um, just a lot of interesting, interesting veteran organizations we we profile veteran what vets are doing in the veteran community there's just a lot of information that we put out all right and uh do you find that it's that you're supporting the veteran community through your work oh absolutely absolutely um we've had some people come and tell us or tell my writers as they're telling their stories you know, I've never told my story before. And that's really important because telling, getting it out, telling your story is very cathartic and healing. It is. And so as we have more stories and veteran stories and what people have done, and, you know, every single story is like a thread in a tapestry that creates, well, in our case, American military history, military history in general. So... Uh, Every veteran has a story to tell, and we meet them where they're at. We don't expect them to be fantastic writers. We don't expect them to be, um, you know, somehow better than, you know, or or meet us where our standards are. We meet them where where they're at. So it's a a very, um, you know, it's a wonderful publication, and I can't even – I can take some credit, but not all of it. I have a phenomenal team and they do an incredible job every quarter. So, um, you know, we're getting the stories out there. We're telling, we're telling the stories. So it sounds like it's a much more personal, uh, publication. It's not so much the, uh, what's going on in the news. It's what's going on with the people. It's what's going on with the troops. It's what's going on with the people. Sometimes, I mean, listen, we're not afraid to, you know, jump into the journalism, aspect of of some of our stories uh we did do a story on the um withdrawal of of afghanistan um one of my writers he was in iraq he's the army all our writers by the way are veterans except for my head writer and assistant editor 
but all of our writers are, are veterans. And he's like, hey, I was in Iraq, but I've got a bunch of friends who are in Afghanistan. And so we did a really, like, you know, 11th hour piece on what was going on in Afghanistan from their perspective. And even with three three of the guys that he interviewed, they all had very, some similar, but different perspectives on, on what happened. And uh, so... It, you know, we're not afraid to jump into that journalism aspect of the magazine. And what was the general theme uh, for the withdrawal from Af- Afghanistan from the people um, from the people that were writing? What uh, what did they have to say? Well, overall, they were. I'm going to be frank. They were pissed. Yeah. Um, they were angry with how things were done, and they were really angry that you know 13 of our own were killed essentially needlessly. So yeah, there a lot of anger, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of frustration. In every military, the, um, the saying is always that we leave no one behind. And right. yet with that withdrawal, people were left behind Canadians as well. Uh, our government, a lot, uh, a lot of people were left behind <laughs> and, that is a betrayal that sticks. Do you think that the damage uh, that was done as far as faith in government to look after the troops, do you think there's any permanent damage done? Oh, extreme permanent damage. That I, I mean, at least in my circles among veterans, um, specifically, not to get crazy political, but this administration specifically, there is zero trust. Zero. There's the the damage is is extremely deep, and it's done. And there's nothing. There's no way to fix it. And with, it's sad. With your system of government, the president is the colonel in chief of the entire military. It's different yes, for us. It's not. It's it's different. Uh, commander in chief. Pardon me. Um, mm-hmm. It's different. We have a different um, situation, but still, it's still the whoever's leading the country more or less decides where the military goes and what they do and what missions they they jump onto. Right. When you feel that the president has your back, that it matters for morale. How's mm-hmm. the How's the morale right now? With um, what's been your experience with your veteran contacts and active duty? There's no trust, none whatsoever. We have no reason. We have no reason to trust the upper echelon of the military, for that matter of fact. Does, so, does that affect the functionality, the effectiveness of the military? Do you believe? There's a lot. There's a lot going on right now, obviously in our country, as there is in your country as well. Um, you know, there's the over overwhelming sense that I get from the veteran community here in the U.S. We don't trust. We don't trust the government. We don't trust the upper echelon. And we really, I mean, I've had conversations with other veterans. We're really feeling bad for people who are active duty military right now, especially those who are patriotic and love their country and are, are serving their country honorably and it's um, they're being painted into a corner 
think this way or else. And it's, it's unfortunate. Are you talking about the jab? I'm talking about the jab. I'm talking about the woke culture. I'm talking about a lot of things because, you know, when I was in the military, I mean, we, they made it very clear. You're not to be political on one side or the other, you know, you're here to serve your country. You're here to serve. And that's what a lot of us cut our teeth on. And now, you know, they're being told, think this way, do this, do that. I mean, we have, we have um, people who have served honorably for years and years and years now being discharged from the military because they don't want to take an experimental vaccine or a vaccine that doesn't have all the data along with it. And a lot of people are like, well, yeah, but, you know, you were in the military. You had to get vaccines. I'm like, yeah, but all the vaccines I got had their full trials and had their full approvals and um, had had 10, 20, 30 years of, of efficacy studies. So it, it was safe um, back then. But now, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. Well, this is a conversation I don't typically have on the show um, because it's just an unwinnable conversation. You know, right. if you're on one side or the other, that's it. There's, there's, um, I find that there's the biggest lack of open-mindedness that I've ever seen um, in either direction. My family and I, we have made up our mind. And uh, we have other family members that have made up theirs. And, mm-hmm. and I see it breaking up families. I see it um, uh, husbands and wives and kids uh, being at odds because um, they have a different, different way of looking at it. And right. that's the danger. And from a, 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 if you talk to the Green Berets, who often work on behest of the CIA, um, mm-hmm. they would say that it's on purpose, yeah. this level of division. And because mm-hmm. it's, if it's not, it sure, sure is right out of the playbook, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I absolutely 100% agree with you. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, like you said, I mean, it's affected our family as well. And it's, it's sad. It's just sad that it's so divisive. And it's so unnecessary. Yeah, I'm just lucky that my aged parents uh, still let me come over and give them hugs, regardless. Right. And that's not everybody, though. Right. And, and and that kind of division is not healthy for anyone. Right. I'm sorry about the background noise. Um, they know I'm on the podcast, but they, I guess, they forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have a door you can close. It is closed. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, you can give them hell later. Yeah, I plan on it. I plan on it. <laughs> Send them out for coffee. Right. Okay, you guys are going to the Krispy Kreme. You owe me. Right. Yeah, we don't really have a Krispy Kreme around here. No, I said that because right. it's American. Uh, we don't have, like, any of those up here. It's Tim Hortons up here. Yeah, we're, um, we're, it's, it's funny. Um, we don't really have that stuff. So, uh, we're in North Texas. We're stationed, you know, we're, we're set in North Texas. So, um, we have different stuff though, but it's all good. 
Texas is a lot like Alberta. Uh, we are Texas North, and we're okay. both a hell of a lot of real estate and cowboys, and it's, there's a, there's a lot of crossover there and independent thinkers. Yeah. It's uh, not really uh, generally about within the scope of my show, but I'm going to ask, is there a lot more talk? There's always been some talk of succession in, um, in Texas. Mm -hmm. And that talk has been very loud in Alberta as well over the last few years. And, uh, with the current goings on, it's, it's a lot more loud. It's a lot louder. Um, do you think succession is something that, uh, I mean, if it's going to happen anywhere in the States, it's going to happen in Texas. Texas. <laughs> is, is that conversation getting more common? It is. It is. Think it. Um, think it could happen. It's a lot easier to happen in the states because of your the way that you're set up. Because it's the United States. It's pretty easy. Right. Just have a vote and you're out. But uh, in this, uh, in Canada, it's different. Yes, it's 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 definitely the rumblings are there. Um, the rumblings are definitely there. So uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, it could happen, um, but we'll see if it actually does, you know, if it, it, I mean, we've already put uh, legislation in place that the voters voted, you know, yeah, let's keep secession on the table. So at least there's a, there's a conversation within the state legislature. So we'll see what happens there. Well, Texas has a similar uh, challenge, but you're not landlocked. You, you've got Galveston. <laughs> they got the ports right. there. So right. you're, you're not landlocked. So that um, wouldn't really be that big of an issue. In mm-hmm. uh, For Alberta, we are landlocked. So that, um, that, prov- that provides a challenge. Right. Well, and... And, you know, that's the great thing about the great state of Texas. Um, we, we have everything. We have ranches. We have farmers. We have coast. I mean, we're, we, and, you know, DFW, I was just looking at something today, is among the entire country, more people are moving here, especially from, like, New York and California, than anywhere else in the country. We have the highest rate of growth in the area where I live in the whole United States. And that's how the U.S. and Canada were formed. It's where we came from. Uh, right. People people were ex- escaping places that um, were run by tyrants. Right. <laughs> and, and where are they running from? California, more than any other state. Right. Hmm. Is, it, is there a parallel a there? Is there a parallel there? I'm saying, hmm, is yeah. it, what's going what on? <laughs> right? And yet people yeah. are still fighting for policies that people are literally escaping in real time right now. Yeah, yeah. Tesla it's, just it's pulled the pin. They're, they're out. Oh, yeah. Tesla's like, I'm out. See you, you later. Know? You guys suck. <laughs> we have so much industry moving into our area right now. It's insane. And, you know, the best thing about it right now, um, I can tell you from a local perspective, local communities are kind of, we're kind of trying to ramp up and provide infrastructure and that kind of things, that kind of stuff, because um, it's, you have so many people moving in so fast, 
we don't have the roads, we don't have the the water, that kind of thing. I'm I'm sorry. Just one moment. Yeah, you take care hey, of that. That's way too loud. I'm so sorry, Jared. I'm on the podcast. Can you close my door? Thanks. So sorry. <laughs> my brother is um, visiting, and he has a he's a marine. Yeah. Um, and we he has a very deep booming voice. So I'm like, go away. Hoorah. <laughs> Hoorah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it's, yeah, so we don't really have the infrastructure for the growth that we're having right now. So at the end of the day, it uh, it's a challenge, but communities around here, we're hardy people. We, we're going to meet the challenge, so. What, uh, which cities are getting the most influx, or is it a pretty even spread across, uh, across the state? Well, across for the whole United States DFW area, but within the DFW area, our I'm, area I'm sorry, what's what's DFW? Uh, Dallas Fort, Fort Worth. Worth. Okay, Dallas, Fort so, Worth. as soon as I asked it, I put the ma- I did the math on it. <laughs> and um, the North Dallas Fort Worth area is getting the most growth. So my area, um, you know, the Frisco um, little bedroom communities like Savannah, Providence Village. Those areas, those are getting the most growth um, along the 380 corridor. So, yep, we're we're booming. Circling we're back to the to the, the normal scope of my show. Um, <laughs> oh no, no, that's me. That was 100 percent me. It's all good. It's uh, conversations that I enjoy. They're just uh, not yeah. necessarily within the scope. Um, it, it, now, you were saying earlier that uh, a lot of veterans organizations support your paper. Now, oh, yeah. uh, one of the functions of my show is that I'm an aggregate for uh, all the different resources because there's a bazillion different veterans organizations out there. Uh, are you finding that you are also sort of a center point for different veterans organizations so that people can be aware of the resources that are out there? Oh, very much so. And that's one of our, that's one of the reasons, um, that's one of the purposes of our magazine. Um you know, in here in the United States, I don't know how Canada is, but here in the United States, um, we all know the big organizations, right? We know about the American Legion, the VFW, the VA. I say that carefully. Um, we all know about those organizations. We all know about um, the big organizations. But what people don't know about are these small in incredible veteran service organizations that are like boots on the ground. Like they are doing, these smaller organizations are doing more for veterans tangibly than most of these big organizations do for veterans tangibly in, a you know, five years. I mean, in one year, I mean, I've uh, just phenomenal organizations and they're in their, tangible and it's real and it's genuinely affecting um, in a good way the lives of veterans across our country and um, like one of them is veterans to veterans group um, they do a phenomenal job 80 percent of all their their donated income actually goes to veterans um, they keep their overhead very low and um, they're not in it to build a you know, a career, they're in it to help vets, 
provide what vets need. And so for that, you know, I'm like, I'm grateful we have this platform with our magazine that we can actually showcase that and say, hey, you know, if you need help, go to these guys because they will absolutely get it done for you. And it, and it comes back to the whole, and I've had multiple conversations with veteran organizations. Obviously, I probably have talked to just 500 organizations in the last year alone, and they all have the same thing, uh, the same idea. We are here to make sure that no man and no woman is left behind. It really comes down to being that simple. So it's real. Well, and thank you for your continued service with this. Uh, it seems, and that's why I reached out to you in the first place. I sense that we're on a very similar mission, being an aggregate for resources. It's mm-hmm. so critical. Uh, right. and despite all the resources that are out there, um, <laughs> people still don't know where to go. They don't know where to start or how to start. And uh, also... It's a, it's a proverbial black hole. It really is. It is, mm-hmm. and uh, and you're right. The bigger the organization, the less in touch that organization tends to be with the end user, with the people that uh, that need mm-hmm. the resources. Right. It's the smaller ones that are nimble and more in touch and um, are, are having a, a pointed impact. Um, just sort of a closing uh, b- before we're done here. Uh, I have found that the bigger organizations tend to pick fights with the smaller organizations, and um, and there's infighting among veteran resources. It's it just drives me up the wall, <laughs> but it, I keep seeing it. Um, and when that happens, I, I mean, I've seen lawsuits happen. And yeah. so when you get a lawyer involved, it's like, okay, well that wasn't free, and now you're taking resources away from your organization. And um, and attention and energy away from your organization for the purpose of a conflict with another veterans organization who is also right. now has to focus on this and put their energy towards this and defend themselves and get a lawyer. So right. th- that is resources of time and money put towards conflict instead of supporting each other and just putting your right. egos aside and working together. Are you finding? Are you seeing any of that in the states as well? You know, I've talked to organizations, and, and yeah, they've mentioned that um, a little bit, but, you know, the the folks I'm in touch with, the vets I'm in touch with who run these organizations, they're really, like, have an attitude of, like, I really don't care about the drama. I'm really not going to even address this issue coming from this bigger organization. I'm just going to keep my eyes focused and keep moving forward for the betterments of the vets. And that's really kind of that, I mean, they are they are laser focused. And, you know, they're kind of putting everything else aside, and they really don't care about the, the drama. And, you know, that's one thing the magazine has been able to do too. We don't really get into the drama in, in the sense of, you know, calling out a lot of keeping it on the negative, we always try to flip perspective and put it on positive of what are we doing for vets? How are we impacting veterans' lives? Veterans are telling their stories. There's healing. There's hope. There's, And that's really where we come from as a magazine is making sure that, um, you know, we're, we're flipping that perspective a little bit. So it's not always on the negative. 
Um, I'm not saying we won't take on organizations when I see something that's really wrong and veterans are being hurt by it. Absolutely, we'll go for the jugular. But really, it's more of, you know, this this sense of camaraderie so far that we've had with the magazine and the veterans and the organizations that we work with continually. And the businesses, by the way, too. And how could people find your magazine, Christine? Um, if they go to theateasemagazine.com. 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 Roger that. Thank you, Christine, for being on the show today. I do appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. All right, sister. I appreciate you. Stay on the line. You're listening to Operation Tango Romeo, the trauma recovery podcast for veterans, first responders, and their families. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Now, I've got a favor to ask you. And I know everybody asks for the same favor, but it's really, really important. If you can help, do your little bit by going to Apple Podcasts, leaving a rating and a comment. That would be awesome. Also, on your favorite podcast platform, whether that be Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, or whatever floats your boat and blows your hair back, please click follow. And if there's an option there for rating, please do so. And this is why. Every time you click like, leave a rating, leave a comment, what happens is that it makes it easier for other people to find this podcast. The help that you can't find doesn't help at all. So help other people find this so that they can help themselves. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And as always, share, share like the sugar bear because sharing is caring.